Welcome to No Particular Hurry. My name is Dave Early. Today, I'm very, very excited to catch up with a guest who many of you will no doubt know from Twitter. She is a Sixers super fan. She brings a unique and positive energy to the entire Sixers experience and is more than willing to connect with people and talk about her favorite team. She's a connector and in many ways, a community leader. One of the best parts about sports, I think, and enjoying sports is relationships we can make, especially around subjects so many of us are passionate about. For this person who amazingly is relatively new to the sport of basketball, <clears throat> like Joel Embiid, that comes naturally. She's associated with the Mike Scott Hive. She does sports design art for the folks at Rights to Ricky Sanchez. And most importantly, she has a great sense of humor. Without further ado, let's talk to Zainab Javed. Hey, Zainab. Hey, how's How you it doing? going? It's going really well. Good. The Sixers sit in first place right now, and I know that you, place. I know you derived some of your vibes from that. So, how are you feeling? Yeah, I um, the Sixers somehow like managed to like their success seep and failure seep into my daily life every day. So, right now, I feel on top of the world. Have been um, typing in all caps in my um, works like NBA channel. So it's the vibes are good right now. Very excited. And is everyone at that on that channel a Sixers fan or do you get a smattering? No, everybody's great. We have a lot of we have Suns fans in there. We have um, just we have a Lakers fan too. But everybody's so um, they're always so happy for me. It's really funny. My second week um, of work. So I had started in April of twenty eighteen or 2019, sorry, April of 2019. So that's the middle of the playoffs for the Sixers, like round two just began. And then my second all staff meeting. So every Monday we have a meeting with the full staff in person. So my second one was the day after the Kawhi shot. So game seven, I wore my Simmons jersey with a blazer, went to the meeting and everyone looked so sad for me. (laughs) <laughs> to 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 put on the jersey the day after a devastating loss is just a real testament to your fanhood that people probably felt legitimately bad for you like they were everybody was thinking for my emotional well-being like from um the, even the Pennsylvania state treasurer tweeted um about it like tweeted about do we need to send a helicopter to where you are right now to you specifically? Yeah, to me specifically. Wow. So, <laughs> so so you're you're really like well known as like the Sixers fan. Yes, in um political circles, yeah. <laughs> in political <laughs> circles. Those were those were fun times. And just a couple weeks before that devastating day was the Sixers beating the Nets, including uh Mike Scott game winner from a corner three with like a karate headband on. So how, what, what was that emotional swing like? Wow, that was, I don't know, that was a highlight of my life. Like when I look back on my deathbed, I am going to think about this moment exactly just word for word, bar for bar, um, every play that went on, like Embiid passing it to um, Mike at the very last second because he couldn't get a shot up. And then it was Mike like saving it, I think, right? It was like yeah. out of bounds. So that was just, and awesome. He was saving it and he threw it right to Mike and Mike got that corner three. Um, and that just kind of 
so we district sixers we my friend rob um and uh jj um both the three of us helped start like district sixers which was um just a collection of like dc area sixers fans and we went to different bars like penn social um they're like big are you dc based yep i'm dc based so i've actually grown up here um in dc so we had um a weekly um weekly event or not weekly every playoffs game we would watch it at a bar and I ended up getting sick that day. So I stayed at home and I was, we had guests over. So I was pretending that I'm not at home. So I didn't want to go downstairs. And that shot happened and I am screaming my lungs <laughs> off. Like not just a yell, it was a full on scream, a banshee scream. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't talk for the next two weeks. Like my voice was What What does a banshee scream sound like? Oh God, no, I can't do it. Like that'll like break shriek? Yes, a straight up shriek. <laughs> um, all right. So then, is that is were you already in love with Mike Scott at that point, or was that did that like seal the deal? Is that like the yeah? So that love actually started. It's weird because I had started out a huge Tobias fan. Um, like when that trade happened, like I bought the thirty three jersey, R.I.P. Robert Covington, but I bought that jersey like a few days. Um, a week after the trade, I was super excited. And then Mike stole my heart um, on at the Blazers game where he, um, when um, Ennis, Ennis Cantor was trying to fight um, Ben and he got in the middle and was like, you don't want this smoke. I think that was where the love began. Um, he was pretty new there, to the team and he was willing to go to, to bat for his teammates already. What a crazy man. Like in all the best ways, he really just, I, I fell in love at that point. Yeah. And Ennis Kanter is not a small person. <laughs> not at all. Um, so he backed off really quick too. So, all right, here, I have a quote from you that I loved. I want to read it. Sunrise to sunset, surviving off nothing but vibes, much like the 2021 Sixers. Has, <laughs> has, this, has this been a nice contrast from last year? There, there weren't the same vibes last year, right? No, there really, there really wasn't. Um, I personally, like, I can talk myself into anything. I have two brain cells. Like, one brain cell will always convince the other one that things are going great. So I had convinced myself that the season was going great um, last (laughs) year. But it was, the locker room was just awkward. I think Brett was losing the locker room. Um, Embiid wasn't happy, and if Embiid's not happy, like, I'm not happy. Um, that was so- a big theme of last year, people saying, like, he's just not having fun. I think he even said it. Yeah, he yeah he said, like, they weren't um, – he didn't feel like they were letting him have fun, like, be himself. Like, I can't remember, but that was the general, like, the, you, like you said, theme of last year. Yeah. And now, fast forward one year, they have – it's really funny. Um, so now they do you know what the um, chain that they have now? Uh, like after instead of that, um, Brett's Liberty Bell, they have this chain that they pass around to the best player of the game. Do you know what was written on there? I don't think I do. No. Okay, neither. I don't remember quite exactly. But um, Jim Adair actually tweeted, um, Brett's little bell got fucked right off. <laughs> and that's kind of I love Brett don't get me wrong 
but that just seeing the locker room this happy, seeing the chemistry there, um, it, I think that the vibes, like everybody said, the vibes are going to carry them to the finals. The chemistry that they have, how they work together. Okay, that's an official prediction, Sixers and Six yes. in the finals. Yes. I hope that they would get to play your uh, your colleague's favorite team, the Suns. I, I imagine that would be really, really fun series to watch. Yes, I mean, it will be troublesome for a lot of Sixers fans who have adopted the Suns, their, um, their Western team. Mm-hmm. But they're a great team. Um, it's so surprising. Like, Adam Silver... Um, deciding that there was going to be a bubble was just um, a little domino uh, kicking off the effect of just ending up with sun supremacy <laughs> across the yeah. league. Yeah, they were so good there. And then they were like, we're good enough to like even want CP3. <laughs> and now they're here. Yeah. And now they could be the one seed, the feel good one seed if they steal it from Utah. Yes. And Utah just kind of the feel bad team. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, so you are you mentioned that you were immediately in love with Tobias. Was that a steady relationship, or were you guys a little on again, off again? Um, I wouldn't say on and off again. I think that <laughs> turned off for the entire season. Um, I wasn't. Um, before I think this like, year, yeah, before this year, and he wasn't playing as well. And I think the. If he wasn't making 180 million, I would have loved him more. I think if Jimmy had stayed, um, and I think Tobias like wasn't being utilized properly, especially with um, Horford there. And so, a year later, we have um, Doc. My friend tweeted this: just Doc Rivers is a better father to. Um, Tobias Harris than he is to Austin. (laughs) (laughs) So I think like with the spacing, like he's become a real playmaker and even I can notice that there's playmaking going on. So I'm just, I'm sorry, Tobias. Like, I'm sorry you made me hate you last year, but and I'm sorry you made me doubt you, but you're, you're doing really great. And I'm excited for him. I think he's like picking up on the fans, like switching over. Yeah, there was a lot of excitement. I mean, he was clearly the leader even last year. And heading into the bubble, he was very involved in terms of civil rights and activism. Um, And then, you know, like there was a huge layoff and guys weren't at their best. They had to jump right in and play and he didn't play that well. Uh, And I think that combined with, like you said, the contract led to a lot of like Philly fans, especially can be pretty hard on a player. And there was, a, it was a long off season for him in terms of Twitter and headlines and rankings and worst contract albatross, this and that. And doc has really like turned, I don't want to give doc all the credit, but he deserves some cause he was good with the Clippers. Um, but Tobias has really turned it around. Exactly. Um, it's funny. Like everybody was daydreaming about, trading him for some terrible contract like yeah like um, no offense to kevin love <laughs> yeah. yeah kevin love and now we trust him with our life if um somebody <laughs> had a gun to our heads and the whole like somebody has to drop 30 points for you to live and i would pick tobias <laughs> Like, obviously, I'd pick Embiid, but if Embiid was off the table, I'd pick Tobias. Like, if you were playing the Raptors and you knew they were going to triple Joel, 
then then that's where you start saying like Tobias, you got to do it tonight. Yeah, you. It's all on you, man. And, um. Oh yeah, sorry. So you you go ahead. What were you gonna say? Oh, I had um, I had nothing of substance. So if you wanna get you, rid of that part, okay. <laughs> you end up making friends or Twitter friends with the rights to Ricky Sanchez guys, not just the podcast, but some of the writers as well, right? Mm-hmm. How how did that come about? I know you do some amazing like graphic art for Andrew Unterberger's articles. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, it was so late one night, I think, um, in 2018. So I had just became a Sixers fan, like a few months, like that February, March, um, like right after the Super Bowl, I just needed something to fill that hole in my heart while the Eagles were gone. And my friend got me into the Sixers. And now after the I'm Eagles Super Bowl. Yes. Okay. So, so this I had is lived where in Philadelphia. Fandom started. Yes. Um, I didn't really follow basketball before that. Um, I had become an Eagles fan in October. Um, just like how amazing that team was, like their chemistry. And I needed something like that to fulfill this little void in my heart. And my friend got me into the Sixers. And then I just, the community, I was scared to be a part of Sixers Twitter. I'm like, they'll never like me. So I- a rough place. One, <laughs> it was scary. It's like um, a lot of intimidating and funny people. So I just, I just wanted to contribute back because there were just so many great um, rights to Ricky Sanchez, especially like I was learning a lot from them, like about the sport of basketball, about the Sixers. So I emailed Spike late one night and asked, like, can I? Um, I I'm I can do graphic design. Like, can I? do some designs for your articles and surprisingly he like emailed back the next day and was like yeah sure go for it wow the first graphic i made was a right after summer league like furcon a furcon dropped 40 points i remember that game yeah i was up like pop the court game yeah it started really late i think i want to say because it was like in vegas or something yeah so from there it just um I, kept, I did three of their live shows, so I did a um, branding for those. Um, two of the fall ones, um, like their, uh, Ro- uh, not Robert Cup. I, I can't remember exactly, but one was with Mike Scott. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget the one where they, sup- they didn't tell me that. So I was backstage. Nobody told me that Brett was going to be the surprise guest. <laughs> like, I had, nobody told me, like, there was no warning there. So I'm backstage, just, you know, living my life, taking pictures of, like, um, pre-show. And then Spike says, so Spike's going through the run of show with the other people. And he um, mentions, like, he says the word Brett. And from there, I figure out, holy shit, this man, um, Brett's going to be the guest. So I had to take a walk. Like I had to take a walk. <laughs> you were you were just delirious. I yeah, that took a moment to calm down from. <laughs> and so so that's interesting because you went from like not at all a Sixers fan to an absolute diehard. Like I will get um, complete stage fright if I even was near a Sixer or a coach. That's a pretty big turnaround. But you said it filled a void in your heart. How did they wind up doing that? It really did. Um, 
I think like I was going, a lot of people just, you know, go through rough um, phases in life. And like my hem- mental health was not really that great um, leading up to it. So um, fun fact about me, uh, for like 10 or so years, I had been mig- misdiagnosed with depression. Um, so that I was being on the wrong medication really hurts, especially if you're bipolar, um, which I got a, um, I had gotten like a proper diagnosis last year. Um, but that kind of like put me on better medication that was more suited, but I was having these constant cycles of, um, like manic episodes, but then severe crashes followed by clinical depression. And there were a lot of days where I just didn't want to leave the house or my apartment or honestly my bed. So becoming, I would go next door to the, um, I live next door to a drinker's pub. Um, so I would just go there to work and I got into, um, I really got into the Eagles there and like fly Eagles fly, um, the songs just kind of hyped me up a lot. And then the Sixers happened and they're just a funny team like Joel with Rihanna Joel being like being that younger the younger version of himself like just making fun on Instagram and so from there just they kind of affected my mood in really good ways um the two seasons and the community like so the two of course the two seasons where I watched um like the first two seasons were amazing like Jimmy Butler and Mike Scott with their ninja headbands. Like, how can you not feel good? So I was really at an emotional high. Um, and I think that that really just, if you remember how good they were, that kind of affected me in all the right ways. And I was able to get more help because I wanted to um, actually like was inspired to get out of my bed, was inspired to take more control of my life. And I think that just Sixers had a huge role in it. Yeah, I can I, I can appreciate the, the role that they play. Like this was a hard year for the whole world, you know, a year and a half, I guess. And some days I thought to myself, you really you really just have to make it until 730. And then, <laughs> then you won't have to think, you won't have to, you know, you can just watch the Sixers. Um, and so I would look forward to that. Um, and sometimes I would have those mixed feelings. I'd be like, should they be playing? What's going on? You know, once the bubble started. Um, and then this year, I guess I had some even more of those concerns. Yeah. But if you can look at it like they want to be playing, they're okay with some of the risks. The NBA is doing a lot of it. And hopefully everyone's okay. Um, I know Seth had a tough, tough go of it. And I don't know if he's hundred yeah. percent even now, but he's certainly starting to shoot like he is. Um, but yeah, it can, it can fill this, it can feel really high anxiety or, or whatever you're going through times and just be like, all right, the game's on. I'm listening to Mark and Allah. <laughs> we got this from here and then we'll go to bed. I don't feel good. Like about, I don't feel comforted until mark says like hold on all we're coming in for a landing mm. like that is one of the most comforting phrases i've ever heard yeah well i don't associate it with comfort because if it's tied with <laughs> oh i'm like <laughs> 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 it 
it's like a scary moment, but I think like that is just, I don't know, a good luck phrase, I think, because they do come in for a landing a lot. Most of the yeah. time. I tweeted, I think, I forget if it was the Clippers game. It might have been Kyrie dropping 37 on us, but it was like, I think it was the Clippers. It was such a high-intensity moment, and then the shot missed, and then they started playing the song, three, two, one, six, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and so it was such a quick change from, like, terrified joy, relief. What I love is the collective panic that we all go through every game like none of us are okay there's heartbeat issues like I think like w- the Sixers fans we're not gonna live long we have 10 years of our life taken off that game Spurs game. game the Spurs game oh my goodness <laughs> that very last second where he dipped I just and and the Furcon um when Furcon tied the game like the Bucks game and I just wasn't expecting that, like that going into overtime. Like we don't have Embiid. We don't, I think Seth was out too. The, the Bucks lost in overtime. Yeah. I think we won, lost in overtime, but the, we took the Bucks to overtime. That's what I meant. It was the, um, the game against the Bucks. We lost in overtime. No, no joy. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I, I don't know. I felt great after that. Like it was a loss, but I felt like. You you guys almost lost to Furcon. <laughs> well, seeing games like that, and there was also the game against Utah without Joel. Um, and Ben was not actually that good that night against the Bucks. I think he was like, he couldn't finish in the paint. Um, but seeing the team run up like a 15-point lead on the Bucks and the Jazz without Joel <laughs> makes me think we're not we're not doing something that we should be doing anytime Joel takes a rest. Like the last couple of nights we had these nice big 20 point leads. We go with an all bench unit and suddenly we're, we're losing 10 years of our life to heart palpitations. There's gotta be a happy medium here for, with like seven games left, right? Isn't there a way we can like put at least Tobias or Ben in for some of these minutes? Yeah. I think doc just has some like, fun with torturing us like maybe that's his idea of life enjoyment he gets a thrill out of that just like we do um I mean you feel something right like we're in the middle of a pandemic there's a lot of just kind of pandemic fatigue and when you're watching the Sixers game you're going through emotional highs and emotional lows in the span of 20 minutes and you really feel and maybe you know Doc thrives off that (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> maybe he's like a gambler and likes likes puppet mastering our heartstrings. <laughs> <laughs> it's a high it's high stakes high thrills. Um yeah, I think I I would like to see like just kind of line up like bring but you don't have to go all bench. Like even I even I can get that. But I love seeing Mike minutes. It Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
and Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, so let, let's talk about Mike a little bit. Um, you you started the Mike Scott Hive. I would say that's like one, something you're famous for at this point, right? Yeah, so I actually didn't start the Mike Scott Hive. Um, there were a bunch. Of, this was like a community effort. So I you're was the, the face of the franchise. I'm the face of the <laughs> franchise. But there were a lot, like there were people who had a bigger impact than me actually like getting um, getting it started and keeping it going, like so with the um, Hive Assemble, like that was the Hive gained the popularity through Zoe, through Matt Del Rio, who got the tattoo, which was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. And then um, Erica Bulland, who had she got really is um, Matt Matt Del Rio and Erica kind of got their attention with uh, his attention, and that kind of blew it up even more. Um, I think like my, my role in things was just being able to like, get kind of keeping building the community and, or helping organize, like getting people together to organize these tailgates where just an amazing community came together. Um, and what was it about Mike's personality or aura that, that made it him? He is, I don't know what it is that like makes everybody attracted to this man with um, just this role player with emoji tattoos, but it was his personality. He doesn't take any bullshit. He oozes um, charisma. Yeah, he's very charismatic. Um, he doesn't take any bullshit. Um, he, I, ain't, I ain't no B. I ain't no B. And moments like uh, he calls the team out for what it is and he holds himself accountable a lot like um he does get mad at himself when games aren't going well from him like even if they're if he doesn't have a good game like he does hold himself accountable like he really very much cares about playing and you can like that just his efforts you can notice it's a very noticeable effort and i think like there were moments that were just amazing. Um, the Bucks game where he fell courtside and he took a sip of the woman's like Jack No Ice. Yeah. Um, in the middle of a game. In the middle of a game. Wow. I. <laughs> he got a tech. This man got a tech while wearing a polo. Like he wasn't even 
in a game like this was uh, this season he wasn't even playing and he got a check for like standing in be- in between a fight um so i just and and so sorry, what is I'm it about little... all that no no what is it about all of that that you like so much that he, he's just a real person where you don't know that about a lot of other players like you don't connect with them um i think the way he connects with fans it's like he goes out of out of his way to connect with his fans like a lot of people would see oh i have a fan club cool but they don't get as invested in the community like he did. So he showed up. Like um, he was there with you guys. Yeah, he um, he came to our hive. Like he showed up at our hive um, after party. Uh, took pictures with every single person. Um, he like the summer. The summer of Mike, basically the summer before the season where all of our lives went downhill. Um, <laughs> he like would show up. Um, he went to, he had these races, like foot races with people. He showed up to a wedding, like crashed a wedding. And he, there was a moment that was really fun. It's like when he joined a bunch of kids and did like a nerf battle. So he's just a man who really cares about his fans, about giving back. Um, and he, he shows up and the Eagles fight was amazing. Mm. (laughs) Like, how do you go to any, like, Eagles fans are notorious for just being very passionate about their team and going in a Washington football team jersey and um, getting into a fight with Eagles fans and becoming more likable because the Eagles fans had said, like, racial slurs and he became instantly more likable. He's just great. But people are... People are kind of nasty sometimes. If Mike has a bad game, they like to take it out on the hive, don't they? Like, I'm going to read a quote from Drew Corrigan50 on Twitter. Oh, he blocked me, so I there have was, no idea. There what was he... really a massive, <laughs> he said, there was really a massive segment of Sixers Twitter that went all in on Mike Scott, L-M-A-O-O-O-O-O-O. And why, why do people, like when Mike struggles, what, what happens to you? Do people tweet at you? No, actually, no one tweets at me. Um, I think like two or three people have subtweeted me. I used I used to take all of this like very personally. Like I get I have high anxiety. Like I thought people hated me. I felt sick to my stomach. Like I thought that the hive like I was directly associated. So people were just probably making fun of me. But it really just what I recognized is a lot of people do think Mike is a great person. They see, um, they see him trying and they know he's making every effort in the world. Like he, he's had really good games where he's like, like the Knicks game where he wouldn't let Julius Randall do anything. So, and Mike did well last season um, in like the first half of the season. So I think people recognize that he's like one of the best human beings ever. And I just, I muted his name. Like it does sting a little. So I did mute his name. If you um, don't mute his name, you see him traded quite a bit. Don't you on <laughs> in trade oh, every day? There were so many, there were so many trade machines. Like even if somebody would put a screenshot um, and it was like, if it was a friend, I'd be like, Hey, 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 Hey. Not today, mother. Not today. 
Do you think that there is a, a sentimentality in them not trading him? I know him and Elton were teammates on that like 60 win Hawks team. Um, and I know some of the fans have wanted him traded because of the size of his contract. It matches up, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that they said, no, we just like having him around. We think maybe his shot will, will regress to the mean and come back. I think so. I think that that definitely has a play in it because Mike has the most tradable. It, you know, the meme that's like, I've won, but at what cost? Um, like the first, the beginning of the season with um, when Mike got the 5 million, like resign, I was like, hell yeah, he got $5 million. He's great. And he was a great player that season. Like he was coming off a really great season where he, I think he shot his career high. I'm not sure, but five getting $5 million that off season, amazing. And then it was like, oh my God, this became the most tradable salary on the team. He could be packaged it up anywhere. So I had been having straight up panic attacks, not actual panic attacks, but like a lot of anxiety, two trade seasons uh, and two trade deadlines in a row. Yeah. Um, the first one I was at the office and I w- told my boss, like, I can't really like, can you give me like 30 minutes to just wait until this deadline to pass 3 p.m. to pass? And I was on the floor. Like I was literally on the floor when I realized like he's not getting traded. I was so happy. And then this season, like I couldn't believe it. Like I was so happy. Um, I had mentally prepared myself for him getting traded. I was, I have a therapist, like I finally got a therapist and we spent two sessions talking about this, like him <laughs> getting traded. We, did, I was trying to. <laughs> did your therapist have to do a little homework to figure out who this person was? Yes, she calls it the beehive. Like, how is the beehive doing every every single session? Oh my god! <laughs> and what do you say? I I told her like, no, it's a Mike Scott hive. We're a little community, and I give like I give the thirty second spiel every time. But it just we we were processing it. Um, I was like super sad. I was getting ready to, like chop my hair off again. And that's what you would do if you were really sad and he was traded. The hair's got to go. Hair's got to go. I was going to get like a intense haircut, like getting swept from the um, playoffs, like the first team swept from the playoffs um, last season. I ended up bleaching my hair six times. Like my hair is so damaged Um, from from that. (laughs) Yeah. From that experience never bleach your hair six times in a row. Like if I can leave uh, your on, listeners me, with anything. Let me, let me write that down. Cause I'm going to forget <laughs> I'm gonna bleach my hair six times. <laughs> um, and so, all right, it's people are going to be listening to this on Cinco de Mayo. There is a little bit of a history recently. I 2018 was the Marco Bellinelli confetti game. And I think, were you at that? No, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Were you living there? Uh, yeah, I lived there for like a few months. Is it better to watch a game on Central Time? Oh, yes, absolutely. Like, I'm washed now. I <laughs> What do you mean? I'm, I don't know. When I was like three years, like three years ago, I could, I love late night games. I was like, this is so much fun. We're all getting, um, we're all getting just sports in bed, like Gipper would say. And then now I'm just tired. I'm barely, my eyes are barely open, but I refuse to go to bed out of principle. 
Yeah, we've had a couple late night, like 9 p.m. starts. I think last night's against the Bulls was. Um, that should be illegal. But what were what was your feelings on that Marco Bellinelli game? Let's 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 just look at a couple of the Cinco de Mayo games we've had. <laughs> I was at like a I was watching at a bar with my friends, and I am screaming. That um, I thought that was a three pointer. Like I thought he was he didn't. I thought we had won the game. MS, and I'm, NBCS Philly still uses the audio of Joel screaming at Marco. Yeah, yeah. Before they knew, I sounded like a more high pitched version of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the confetti went off. And after that, like I don't trust anything. Like you need the game needs to. No more. We're never getting confetti again. The Sixers will be in Game Six of the Finals. Um, no, Game Five because we're Game Seven because we're going to be the first seed. Um, we're going to be at home for this. We're going to be at home for the finals, and we're going to win the finals. And there's not going to be any confetti. There's going to be no confetti. We're all too collectively scarred. <laughs> um, all right, and then the next one was also bad. We lost game four at home to the Raptors. We played okay. It was like one of those crazy low-scoring games. I think we were down one, and Kawhi hit a three right over Joel. Uh, mm -hmm. And that would have put us up three to one. So that I, mean, I still have – I think JJ went on a podcast and said, like, that was it. That was the finals for us. Like, that was the championship. That was the championship. They were the team. They were the team that was going to win it all. Like, the Bucks had no chance. The Warriors had no chance. Um, nobody had a chance. Terribly that game, or at least he shot terribly that game. Yeah, everybody. That was a rough game. So that the game before that was the windmill dunk. Game three was just um. So they had stolen game two on the road. Um, game three, and Bead had that beautiful windmill dunk and the airplane, and that was my life has been downhill since that moment. That was like one of the most beautiful moments. In my life, a lot of um, people peaked at that moment. Yeah, yeah, it was just—I don't know—the the vibes. They were just so. They were glorious. Is it like Joel um, was dealing with knee tendonitis? Is it possible yeah. that like it swelled up on him? I know they they refer to it as the bleeps, like his gastroenteritis or whatever. But <laughs> I I always suspected like maybe his knee just kind of acted up because he wasn't the same guy the very next game. Yeah, um, I've learned how to spell gastroenteritis, um, which is a sad, sad thing. Um, I'm not sure because I um, I skipped anatomy class throughout high school, um, nearly failed. I got a D in that class, so I'm not I'm not the most well versed on like injuries. So pooping, I understand, but <laughs> the rest. <laughs> That's a that's a good teaser for this. Pooping, I understand. <laughs> Got come listen to this pot. Um, so you you right now you are currently fasting for Ramadan. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And they, is it pronounced Salm Salm? The fast. Um. S a w m. I have no idea. Okay. Well, I guess the internet told me that that's what the fast itself is called during Ramadan, and. Kyrie Irving is apparently doing this for the very first time. Like he dropped 37 on us, I guess, yes. no food, no water. Right. 
I don't think he so it is sunrise to sunset and sunsets it's like May May sunset is pretty late so um he probably didn't get any water until after like maybe half to the end of halftime and no food like I don't think they eat during halftime so he's just operating like on pure will and the first Ramadan's always the toughest. Yeah, tell not, us, tell us what a rookie would be experiencing. Um, pain, so much pain. <laughs> but no, every like the first couple of days are really tough because your body's not used to that, and you have to like just it. It takes a couple of days to get used to. Like last night, um, I was just so I was like whining and whining be, at. Um, 7.53 p.m. because fasting opened at 8.06 and I was just so mad at the world. Like nine like, minutes Why late, is some like, time oh. going? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a tough one. So, But it's a month of reflection and it's a month of patience. So it's the amount that takes to drop 37 on the Sixers. Um, it's just unimaginable. And um I'm really proud of him. Like Mo Farah um, won the in the Olympics, um, the long distance runner. He won the 5,000 and the 10,000 um, meter runs. Um, I think they're called meters, but he won the like the gold medals while fasting. Wow. Um, Jalen Brown is fasting. Um, Taka Fall is fasting. Dennis Schroeder, I think. Mm-hmm. Dennis Schroeder too. So. Um, would would you have do you ever work out during it like what's it like to not have water if you were to go to the gym or just go for a run i mean i'm not gonna lie i don't work out in general yeah <laughs> so yeah i wouldn't know <laughs> it's it just seems impossible to me like i could i could guzzle so much water but just by like going for a walk <laughs> yeah no i i couldn't imagine i barely I don't want to even get out of bed. So it <laughs> athletes are athletes are crazy. Yeah. The level of commitment there is crazy. And I wonder, like, I mean, it's not like they lose many games, but I wonder if that's impacted at all their, uh, their standing. So like, maybe Kyrie would have been even better if he was just on his normal, like able maybe. to eat and drink. Who knows? Who knows? I think, I mean, I think like the rest of the team like has to step up too. It it's not just him. Like they have former all stars. Like they got to um, so standings. I don't think it's solely that won't be on him, but it definitely it's a tough one. So I don't really know. Yeah, no, not that it would be on him, but I wonder if we if we got him uh, some truth serum, would we say? Was there a game where you were first acclimating? Like you said, those first couple of days are tough. Would he say, oh, yeah, I was just, I was kind of washed for that game. Like I wasn't myself. And we, and we I took think it so. Out. Yeah. It's his first ever. Yeah. It's got to be crazy. The Sixers <laughs> are third in fast break points, but they're 29th out of 30th in fast break points allowed. So is that kind of a weird thing to you? Like they get a lot of fast breaks, but they also give up a lot of fast breaks. Is playing the Sixers just automatically attract me in both directions? I don't, um, I don't know how to answer that just because I'm not very, um, like, so Hale just taught me, like, um, 
what transition and half court meant. Like a lot of people kept saying like, um, they were like, Ben is terrible at half court um, points, but he's so great at transition. I'm like, what does this mean? It's like Joel gets the rebound, gives it to Ben. Ben runs with like four friends, but Joel just kind of jogs behind them all. You've seen that a million times. Yeah. So finally, uh, (laughs) I've been learning how to put, that's been a thing. So being new to basketball, um, brand new to basketball, um, trying to like pick up on a lot of the rules. Like I have um, to prepare for this. I got basketball for dummies. Wow. Um, Nice. Um, and then I didn't read it because of work, but, um, so I've been trying to put a lot of the terms to being while watching the games. Um, so I learned with, like, I loved Robert Covington while he was here. So I could recognize what deflections are. I could recognize defensive. Um, but I'm still learning, like I've recently learned how to identify a pick and roll. Mm. So that's been an adventure for me. Yeah, a lot of Sixers fans over the years have said, we want Ben Simmons to do more of the role in the pick and roll. Like maybe George Hill would dribble it, Ben would set the screen and then roll to the hoop. Yeah. And so we've seen quite a bit of that, although one of my pet peeves with it is they often do it when like Dwight Howard is lingering right in the paint. So there's like, there ends up being three defenders when Ben gets there. Um, I think there was like a day there was a night where um and do you remember the time Embiid and uh ben both went in for the ball like in the paint and they both fell down um you got mad at each other and like rachel nichols talked about it i don't um i don't remember i think i think so i don't remember that part but they did i i was trying to ask a friend like is this normal are they supposed to do that are they both (laughs) allowed in the paint at the same time yeah um so it is kind of, I don't, I think they could use better space with Ben. Like I, I was there when he hit a corner three, like somebody threw, he went to the corner, um, somebody threw him the shot and he, or ball and he like hit the three. And so I do think that even I can recognize that he needs to just kind of watch where people are in like different places and be able to move outside or where are you in the camp on ben needs to shoot or ben's should just work on the other stuff like don't bother with the shot i think in the middle i think the i think the other part does include like him being able to make more space um for the team so um i don't need i don't necessarily need more threes but i think there's a lot of improvement needed like he's an important integral part of the team like we couldn't we couldn't play boston without him he's like i think he's like our fastest player so um i do i don't know i think he needs to work on both but he needs to be less scared to be in those moments or i don't know if he's scared but less hesitant can you, if you can, can you speak something into existence? Is there something you'd like to speak into existence with the Sixers? I am really good at speaking things into existence. Like right. my stuff get traded. Okay. <laughs> um, what do you want me to speak into existence, or am I just coming up with this? 
Well, you can come up with it. So if you want them to get the one seed, if you want them to play the Knicks in the second round, if you want them to beat the Lakers in the finals, like whatever you want, here's your opportunity. I want Mike Scott at the finals parade taking, drinking Jack No Ice with, I want him to pull a J.R. Smith. So that is what I'm speaking into existence. I like that. We're going to go to the parade and we're all going to celebrate and he'll be there. I have this uh, vision of Ben Simmons sitting at the podium with his dog that has the red and the blue bow ties in her hair. <laughs> I don't know the dog's name, but I see, I see her on his Instagram and it's pretty cute. And I just picture, um, you know, Ben doesn't always show you his personality. So I, I figure maybe he'll show us a little bit more at the parade or at the post game. The pets need their own float. Um, I really believe so. Yeah. All right. I and Ricky both deserve um, their floats too. Yeah. Everyone who's been a big, big part of this deserves some sort of float. <laughs> Will you get a float? No, no. I'm just, I'm just here to enjoy the ride. <laughs> and with that, um, Zainab, thanks so much for coming on. Do you have anything to plug? Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter, um, Z-R-J-A-V-E-D. So I'm Z-R-J-A-V-E-D. Um, find me on Twitter, become friends with me. I do like, I do like making friends. I think one of the best part about Twitter is like people reaching, uh, people reaching out. And so feel free to reach out if you ever need anything. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Bye. All right. Take care.